Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the BuckleCast. This is Jason Rollison with you. Also, we have Josh Taylor. Josh, what's up? What's going on, brother? All right, so obviously you're hearing this right after the trade deadline, and the Pirates really didn't do too much, as everyone no doubt knows, but I'll just repeat it anyway. Uh, the only real moves they made were trading Jordan Lyles to the Brewers for double-A pitcher, uh, I think a top, no, used to be a top 30 uh, Brewers prospect, but fell out this year. A pitcher by the name of Adam, uh, <laughs> I forgot his name already. That's how underwhelming the move was. Adam Polk, I think. Uh, Ponce, I believe. Ponce, yes, sorry. Ponce, yes. Thank you. And then also it's today. Not, it's not Ponce de Leon, so it's easier to not get confused. That's right. Uh, and then earlier today, traded Corey Dickerson to the Phillies for a player to be named later and international bonus slot money. Uh, obviously, the big trade everyone was hoping for, or most were hoping for, uh, Felipe Vasquez. Um, did not happen. So, Josh, just your first initial reaction when the dust settled. It was 4 p.m., uh, a little bit at 4 p.m., no deals were trickling in. What was your gut reaction to the Pirates in action? Um, they didn't get the offer that they wanted for Felipe Vasquez, and I'm glad that they didn't do it, if that's the case. Um, I, I have heard a lot of things on both ends, and um, here's the weird part that I feel about this, because... We'd heard reports that the Dodgers weren't going to give up Gavin Lux. So people were saying, oh, well, they got to try to make this deal, make this deal. And, and my belief has always been the same. If you want a certain player or you want a certain asset and you're willing to give up those things that bring that asset about, then you're willing to make a deal that helps both sides. But that other person does not have to give you what you want. And if they don't give you what you want, then you got to look elsewhere. And New Huntington, I give him credit. The Dodgers weren't willing to give him what he what he wanted. He said, "Fine, you're not going to give me what I want. I'm not giving you what you want." I, that now, this is just a scenario that I'm thinking in my head. If you can't get the kind of return you want to give up an asset like that, an asset that you can afford to keep, an asset that a lot of people think it's ridiculous to keep because, yes, if you if you're not a good team, what good's having a closer? I understand that. That makes perfect sense. However. If I'm going to give a guy up, you better give me what I want to get him. It's no different than when you go to the store to buy something. If it's not a price that you like, you're not going to spend it, period. So I give him credit for not bending and trying to take a deal that maybe he didn't want or maybe that wasn't as good as what he should get for Vasquez. I have no problem with that. On the other side of it, I'm rather confused because they moved two guys with expiring contracts. They moved Dickerson. They moved Lyles but they didn't move Melky Cabrera. They didn't move Francisco Liriano, two more guys that have expiring contracts. And I'm sitting here wondering why. And it kind of makes no sense. If I would have thought anything the first half of the season, I would have thought the two guys that got traded would have been Francisco Liriano and Melky Cabrera. It would have been an outfielder and a pitcher. And it ends up being another outfielder and a pitcher and, and uh, Corey Dickerson and Jordan Lyles. So I'm really surprised by the fact that those two stuck around. I figured they would have tried to move all of their expiring contracts and at least try to get some kind of value in return. But the international bonus slot money, I heard this too. Um, a lot of people were kind of frustrated at that and they don't like that's what they got in return. And I don't think people realize that international bonus slot money is starting to become a lot more of an asset that teams are using in trades. That's becoming an asset. Uh, competitive balance picks are becoming an asset. You don't want to move a player. You don't want to give up something else. Okay, fine. Throw a competitive balance pick, maybe some international bonus money to a team that can use it. 
that's becoming more creative for teams to pull deals off. That's how Oakland got a guy like Yerickson Profar from the Rangers because they gave up, I think, a competitive balance pick and some international bonus slot money and maybe a guy or two, and it took a three-team trade to pull it off. But you, if you have those assets stored up, then you can make a move like that. So it might not help them right now, but maybe it helps them pull off a move in the offseason that they might not have otherwise been able to pull off if they have certain assets to make it a little bit cre- more creative to get a guy that they need going into next season. That's how I looked at it. And a lot of people were saying, oh, well, that's all they got back for Dickerson? And I'm sitting there going, international bonus slot money and contract money are not the same thing. So if you think those two things are going to equate, you might want to start paying attention more to how things work in Major League Baseball because that's not how this is going to go. And if anything else, we knew that there was a possibility Corey Dickerson would be gone, especially when Brian Reynolds emerged. So we had the, we had the I mean, we really had the nerve to be surprised when the return wasn't that great, when there was a, a player to be named later in international bonus slot money, I mean, how much of a resume does Corey Dickerson really have? I know someone said, well, you know, he's trading the gold glove outfitter. Yeah, he just won that last year. <laughs> People thought his defense was terrible before a year ago. So how much of a value does he really have, given the fact that he played, what, a good third of the season for a while, including the injury, but now finally he's starting to raise his value, so he helps the team out. There's some talk that he might not even be an everyday starter in Philly. So if you're not going to get a guy who's going to be a consistent contributor, why would you pay a lot to get him? Sometimes you got to think about the context. So that didn't surprise me all that much. But I saw a lot of people kind of reacting to that and being upset about it. And I don't think the majority of those folks that are upset really understand how the mechanics work uh-huh. or what teams are thinking or how they feel about certain guys or what their plans are to use them because all of that actually has some kind of context to it and the context has power yeah that's great that's you know i can't really follow anything you said i do have some thoughts um i thought dickerson would have a little more of a market i honestly did um you know i need to remind people that players to be named later are sometimes you know decent little fines uh for example right. last year the pirates sent a player to be named later to the rays as part of the archer deal ended up being their first round pick shane bez now this is a that's kind of an extreme end of the deal, extreme end of what you might see in these kind of deals. But don't sleep on the player to be named later, right? Because you know chances Agreed. are it might be a draft pick from this year, so it could be someone with a fast track to the majors. You never know. But I, I have one thing to think about with this Vasquez stuff. Not that this front office cares about optics, they don't, and they shouldn't. But this was so rare, Josh, because this was the one instance that I can remember at the very least in the Neil Huntington era, where the majority of Pirates fans who pay attention and you know dig a little deeper rather than just going to the games or watching it on TV, the majority of the informed Pirates fans, your base in other words, would have been behind moving him, him being Vasquez. I, I felt that was so rare. And it's, again, it's not that Neil Huntington needs to do it for the optics, but if there's ever a time to pull the trigger, your fans understand that you need to do like at least a light rebuild at the, at the very least. So I'm kind of wondering why he was so rigid in demanding Lux, because that's what it seems like it was. It seems the holdout was, you have to give us Gavin Lux. I thought there were so many good prospects in the Dodgers system to really make a good deal. Dustin May, Kelbert Ruiz is a good catcher, one of their two good catchers in the top 100 of, of all prospects. And the Pirates need catching depth, at the very least, or a catching prospect to get excited about. I just felt there was other ways to make a deal that would be just as beneficial. And Josh, I guess what I'm asking you here is, did Neil Huntington's inflexibility, which usually is a good thing, we applaud it usually, 
does that lack of flexibility really prevent him from making what could have been a good deal today? Maybe, but I'll, I'll counter it with the question. Does his flexibility in the past, within the past couple of off-seasons, maybe make you a little bit jaded as far as his decision-making? Because some people might tell you he was a little bit too flexible with the Astros. They might tell you he was a little bit too flexible with the Giants, which, of course, they ended up going a lot better than we anticipated in the Andrew McCutcheon trade, thanks to Brian Reynolds. Uh-huh. But with the Astros, some might tell you he was a little bit too flexible in getting back guys like Moran and, and Musgrove and Feliz. They probably thought he should have brought back guys that were better, like yours truly, who thought that Brad Peacock would have been really nice, as opposed to a Joe Musgrove. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is at this point. But... You know, as much as we talk about him being not flexible this time around, some people thought he might have been a little bit too flexible when he made a couple of trades that people didn't like. Yep. So if that if he learned his lesson from that, and the lesson that he learned was don't make the deal if you can get your guy, I can't fault him for that. That shows me some kind of growth. It might be too little too late. That's the, that's the kicker, really. It might be a little ironic that he figures it out way after the fact when he's traded two of his biggest his franchise is the biggest players and probably was a little bit too flexible with the return. So it might be kind of a, a sad way to go about it. But at the same time, you know, I, I tend to, I tend to lean towards what Billy Bean said. You know, if you're making a move because you feel like you need to make a move, you're already screwed. So if he, if there was a, a, a sentiment that he had to do something where he had to trade Vasquez, it was going to have to be for a situation where he got everything he felt that he could use. And clearly he didn't feel that way. And clearly the Dodgers are saying, oh, we want this guy, but we weren't willing to give up what we want to get him. And I had that sentiment the entire time. I said if there was one team that would be willing to have enough assets to get uh, Vasquez, it would be the Dodgers. But at the same time, I couldn't see a guy like Andrew Friedman giving up everything no Huntington would want to get a guy like Vasquez. And if you're getting a guy like Vasquez, you better pay up. Because I kept hearing Dodgers fans going, oh, well, they don't need him. They should just give him to us. No, that's (laughs) not how this works. That's not how it works. It, it, it's not just the thing of, well, we got, we, there's a guy we like and that you don't need. Just give him like, who taught you how to negotiate? That's not how this works. There's a value attached to a guy like that. And God forbid he, set, he sells off another asset that he could use at some point, whether it's now or in the future. God forbid he sells another one off for a song. You know, God forbid he has another Neil Walker trade. Or, or another Francisco Liriano trade. We don't, we don't need that problem happening a second time. Or if you want to go with the guy who actually had high value at the time, God forbid we need another Jason Bay trade. Mm. Get the return you want, and if you don't, maybe who knows, maybe they try again in the offseason. If the Dodgers don't win another World Series, maybe they'll try it again. I don't know, but I'm one of those people that, yeah, I thought that if the return was right, that he needed to go for it. But clearly he didn't feel the return was right. If that's how he felt, then hey. Good on him for, for sticking to his, his convictions and knowing what his team needed to get in return. Yeah, you know you know what's uh, you know what's really interesting to me is that the Houston Astros got got Zach Greinke today, right? Yes. They gave up four. I think I don't know I don't know the exact number, but it was definitely four prospects. I think they were all in at least in at least in Houston's top fifteen. They didn't give up their two big prospects in Tucker and Whitley, but basically gave them everything else that's really headlining their farm system right now to capitalize on that window. You know, we hear this talk about windows in baseball nowadays. So they're trying to capitalize while they have Verlander, they have Cole for the rest of the season. Uh, mm-hmm. So they gave up so much for Grinky. But then you have the Dodgers who, you know, 
I kept liking it to the perfect storm. That's why I really thought a deal would happen because they have the best record in baseball. They have offensive talent everywhere um, on the diamond. They've been in the World Series two years in a row. And if they're ever going to try and win a series, if they're ever going to win the World Series, if they're ever going to try to capitalize on the window they've built, you know, all this was building up to a perfect storm. So I think what this tells us is that everyone is saying the Pirates don't embrace windows. They try to keep a middling team together and hoping a few things go right for them. Well, look at the Dodgers. They have the money. They have the smart guys in the front office. And even they Mm -hmm. are hesitant to completely embrace the window concept. I just found that very interesting. And they have the organizational depth, too. Yeah. They could have moved the guys that New Huntington wanted if they they weren't willing to give them up. They could have moved the guys he wanted and still had other guys waiting in the wings. I mean, as much talent as that team has, they could have moved those guys and not batted an eyelash. So that tells you a lot about how they feel because it, it does speak to, A, the fact that they're willing to say, you know, let's not make something that's too crazy, even though it's something that we need. So they're not willing to bid against themselves. B, they still value the fact of being an organization that's self-sustaining for a longer period of time. And C, you know, it still gives them opportunity when they shed some of these bigger contracts that they have, these younger guys coming up, they'll sign them long-term and they'll just funnel more talent into the system. It, it'll become, it'll just become another part in the cycle. So now they don't have to jump as far ahead to make that kind of move, but that doesn't mean they can't make it in the future. So yeah, they might not have done it this year, but here's the thing. If they go to a third straight off season, having either fallen short of the World Series or gotten there, and not one, they're going to have some questions to answer. And fans are going to be asking them, why didn't you get Vasquez? Because in that particular situation, the Dodgers having all those assets, having everything you laid out, they should have all the power in that negotiation. And apparently they didn't have enough. So that's a question, that's a question or a series of questions. They're going to have to answer from their fans. If they come back again, empty handed once again, since 1988, and they're going to have to live with that in the off season. The good news is, They'll come back next year with opportunities to totally reload that roster and get it the way they want to get it. Maybe that's why they're saying, okay, even if it doesn't happen this time, we're still in a great position to do it again next year. Yeah. Yeah, they, they definitely they definitely can just come right back. But you know what's funny? Yeah. Bellinger's not going anywhere. Seager's <laughs> yeah. not going anywhere. I mean, Muncy's not going anywhere. they got all these guys that are cheap and affordable and playing well. Cody Bellinger will get a, a, a raise, but he's still going to be pretty damn good unless something happens, some crazy injury situation happens, but they still got plenty of talent that they come back next year and they're still the best team in their division before the season starts. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, as, as we're talking here, uh, just a quick aside, you know, I had started to talk myself and get steamed up about Dustin May, who is a tall right-handed pitcher with a, a very interesting pitch mix that the Dodgers are stashing. And I was hoping that maybe a deal would, be centered around him if there was a deal to be made. I'm reading now that he's getting called up to join the Dodgers. So, <laughs> so there you go. I mean, the Dodgers. Wow. And this this is kind of something that just crystallized for me as you were talking. So we talk about you have to win a trade, right? You have to gauge uh, future value versus the value you're coming in in terms of war and all this shit. Um, and I, I always talk about this with baseball. I, I try to tell people that it's sometimes it's science. You know, I'm going to get this value for these players, and I'm going to let go of this value. And sometimes it's art. So it's art versus science. And what I mean by that is, so we're talking about Friedman out in L.A. 
not pulling the trigger on this deal. So he has an idea of what his pipeline looks like. He sees these guys every day. He hears the reports from his guys every day. He knows better than any of us from the outside looking in what his team might look like in 2020 and 2021. So it's not just a, you know, if you're not going to embrace the window concept, you have to have a good handle on what your team will look like in one or two years and what you have coming up. And I think this is where the criticism of Huntington is very justified. So I'll just ask you straight out, Josh, does Huntington have a firm grasp on the actual amount of talent that's in his system? Let, let me let me add it aside to your side. You say art and science. I'll add a slight little sliver of economics in there, Ooh. which makes it even better that you're talking about a guy like Andrew Friedman, who, of course, is with the Dodgers now. But before he was with the Dodgers, he was with the Tampa Bay Rays. Do we know where he was working before he was with the Tampa Bay Rays? He was working for Bear Stearns. Oh. So, yeah, I think this guy has a good idea of what value <laughs> means as <laughs> yeah. far as that's going to go. Just, just something to toss in there. Um I'm sorry, your question was, do Huntington have a grasp of the, the talent that he has? Yeah, the ta- the truth, I mean, does he have a really realistic view of the talent level in his system, both pieces coming back at the major league level and, and in the farm system? Realistic view? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because my thing is, if you're looking at this roster for next season and saying, oh, okay, if the injured guys come back, then maybe you should be better. So what does that entail? That entails Jamison Tyone being back. That entails Gregory Polanco being back. And you've already hung your hopes on those two guys plus others before. And it hasn't worked for you. Now the good news is you have a guy like Brian Reynolds. That's a younger guy that might be able to make that a little bit easier to make that decision. You have a guy like Mitch Keller who might make that a little bit easier to make that decision. But at the same time, are you still as confident with the talent that you currently have, plus a couple of other guys in your system that you might add. And I asked that question, given the fact that they now have the pitching staff that's allowed the most home runs since the All-Star break, and it doesn't seem to be ending anytime soon. So if you're really looking at your talent and saying, oh, well, if we have this next year, we'll be better. My question is, how? Because are you going to be better in terms of being better as a contender, or are you going to be better by default? Because, yes, they were better in March and April, but at this point, they were pretty much better by default because they weren't doing the wrong things that they continued to do over the last month or so. They were doing everything right, even though a couple of things were significantly lacking. So you might have been better by default, but being better by default next year is probably not going to be enough, and that's probably because you haven't seriously upgraded or even at least moderated upgraded, moderately upgraded the talent that you have. And that's something that you have to do if you're New Huntington. Mm-hmm. Otherwise... You're spinning, spinning your wheels for another one or two years trying to figure out what happens to your contract is up. And that's, a, that's something you cannot afford right now. Hey, everyone. This is Jason from the BuckoCast. And before we get back into the podcast, I'd like to take a moment to remind you that we are brought to you by the Pittsburgh Fan. The Pittsburgh Fan is your one-stop shop for officially licensed MLB, NFL, NHL, and NCAA gear right across the street from PNC Park. They always have something unique, always have something kind of off the wall and and all the usual things you expect, hats, shirts, jerseys, shirseys, uh, anything else you can really think of. And they're right across the street, again, from PNC Park. So if you're going to a game, why not leave just a little bit early? Uh, go over and see what they got. Check them out online at thepittsburghfan.com. You can order from there as well. And follow them on Twitter at thepittfan, the P-I-T-T fan. 
Hey everyone, this is Jason from the BuckoCast, and I want to take a moment to let you know that you can help our show in so many ways. Uh, word of mouth is always the best, right? Tell a friend. Tell an enemy. Tell a frenemy. Tell any variation of what people are in these days, I have no idea. But tell them. Um, you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you hear our show. But the best and most direct way that you can help us is by supporting our GoFundMe. Uh, that's right, we've joined the ranks of those asking for help. Um, you can donate to us any amount, and the money will be used towards upgrading sound equipment and funding some live shows in the future. I'm going to put a link in the show notes uh, right in your podcast app. Just scroll down and look at the notes. We'll have a link there. Um, I'll also tweet it out. You can follow me at PGH and follow the show at the TheBuckoCast, and I'll put a link there. If you want to, great. If not, eh, no big. Yeah, you know, all true points by you. I uh, just felt like the system as a whole could use a talent injection. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tyon, listen, it's not a given he's going to be able to pitch next year at all. It really isn't. No, it, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of question marks still there. And how many times have we talked about the cornucopia of ifs before each of the last couple seasons? We, we've used this analogy before. So you're going to go into 20, 2020 with a lot more ifs now, you might have had in 2019, and probably more than you had in 2018 and 2017. You can't keep coming back and forth with these ifs. Sooner or later, you have to have some things that are actually concrete and say, you know what, this guy makes us better, this guy makes us better, this guy makes us better. Not, if this guy does this well for this long, we'll be better. You can't keep taking those risks over and over again every year. So it's a... Uh... I mean, I think we've beaten this to death. I don't think there's any other angles we can take on it. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to think about. But let's talk about what's going to happen on the field now for the rest of this year. Uh, and I'm specifically talking about uh, Melky and let's say Francisco Liriano too, who also stayed put. Uh, so Neil Huntington had a press conference or excuse me, conference call today to discuss the trade deadline moves or lack of moves. And when asked about Liriano and Cabrera and uh, what. Uh, the club is going to take as far as an approach with those two. He said, quote, they give us a quality veteran presence and they can help our young players continue to grow. And we like them being around the club. We just didn't feel we could have gotten enough in return to be appropriate to trade them. All things considered, the right move was to have them continue to be pirates. Uh, Josh, agree, disagree there? Um... Part of me wants to agree because that's apparently how the Reds feel about Trevor Bauer. But uh, Trevor Bauer is significantly better than the Francisco Liriano. So I understand the concept of wanting to have a guy around that might teach younger guys how to become better pros. I get it from that perspective. And in that case, I agree. Um, the part where I disagree is you had players that are older veterans that aren't making a lot of money that are on expiring contracts. And you just sent out an outfielder that was significantly younger and that has performed significantly better for a player to be named later an international bonus slot money. Mm -hmm. What did you expect to get in return for Cabrera and Liriano that you thought it wasn't suitable? That's where I disagree because it comes back to that <laughs> him being able to assess the talent that he has. What did you think you were going to get back for two guys on expiring contracts when you signed one of them to a minor league deal before the year started? What did you think was going to happen? So I, I, I think the concept's great. Yeah, you want veteran guys and teaching younger guys to be better. Of course you do. But at the same time, don't tell me that when 
you know, don't tell me that and say, oh, we couldn't find the return good enough, and you just shipped off a left fielder who was starting for you every day, or at least almost every day, for what a lot of people think is next to nothing. It, it just seems really inconsistent in that regard. So, yeah, I mean, here's the, here's the kicker for me, okay? In that same conference call, uh, in a just kind of giving some, uh, I don't want to say justification, but for some thinking behind uh, moving Dickerson, uh, Huntington also said, quote, it's going to give opportunity to players who could be key parts of our 2020 club beyond gaining major league exposure. It also gives us an opportunity to spend more in the international market, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then he goes on to say that moving Dickerson should open a more playing time for Jose Asuna and potentially Jason Martin and Pablo Reyes. I mean, my God. Wow. <laughs> if we're, if we're, if we're justifying, wow. if we're justifying, uh, moving Dickerson for getting playing time for guys who are fringe uh, 2020 guys, in my opinion. I, you know, I have a hard time swallowing that. But look, um, at the end of the day, I, I think this is a minor quibble. I mean, Dickerson or Cabrera, if you want to hang your hat on the mentorship kind of thing, you know, it's six in one hand, half dozen in the other for me. I really think it's, it's a yeah. push. So, I would uh, agree with that. But I will say Liriano has been around quite a bit. Um has really taken to a bullpen role, so I can see him maybe being helpful for a guy like oh I don't know Chad Cool, who might uh, it's it's kind of borderline if he'll make a cameo this year or not, but he could be talking to him, telling him how to adjust from starter to bullpen, which is you know my opinion probably Cool's ultimate destination. There's a lot of different things Ziriano could do, having been around the game so long and transitioning to a bullpen arm. I think that's a fun thought. Chad Cool is a bullpen arm. That's why I was fond of the thought as having Edgar Santana back next year with that fastball he's got. Yep. So if you got Cool with that fastball and that slider, that fastball that can touch 100 miles an hour, by the way, with a pretty good slider that other guys have learned from, that's a pretty good thought to have in your bullpen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that's a good reason to have that kind of influence around if that's what's going to result in. I can, I can understand that. Yeah, there you go. So, Let's keep moving backwards because we'll wrap up the trade deadline stuff with, uh, yeah, Jordan Lyles. I mean, look, the guy fell apart after coming out so well. Uh, part of that is probably due to the injury, I'm sure, and then not being able mm-hmm. to like, get his footing coming back. Um, I think I called him Adam Pond, so I'm going to apologize and get his name right. It's Cody Pons that came over from the Brewers. Uh, ah, there we go. Yeah, look, double-A pitcher, I mentioned before, had previously been in the Brewers' top 30, fell out this year. But has a 55 graded fastball, a cut fist, a cut fastball 55, and a curveball. So I like what his pitch mix shows. You know, it's not it's not your uh, your classic fastball slider reliever that the Pirates have been favoring lately. Um, so I kind of like that. I mean, pitched okay in Double uh, A this year, 4.36 ERA. Um, now committed to the bullpen full time. I mean, I think that's an adequate return for Lyles, Josh. I mean, I don't think there's anything else to say about that, really. Yeah, it converted uh, for a college draft pick, which, first of all, explains everybody's like, why is he so old in double A? Because they drafted him out of college, and he was like 21 or 22. That's why. That's what happens. But um, clearly he wasn't cut as a starter. They converted, converted him into a bullpen guy. Um, pitched pretty well out of the bullpen. You'd love to see him you know, progress as quickly as possible as far as bullpen arms go especially with that pitch mix, if it is as good as the scouts say it is. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of potential in there to get more out of him than you would have expected walking in the door. And you're probably going to get more out of him than you would have expected to get out of Jordan Lyles. 
So if that's the case, probably is fair value. But, you know, how high was Jordan Lyles' trade value? And what are they going to do with Jordan Lyles? Are, are the Brewers going to use him in their rotation or use him in their bullpen? It, it's, I get the feeling that they were going to use him in their bullpen, but, you know, that still goes into the factor of how much they're willing to give up for a guy. What they're going to use him for factors into what they're willing to give up because if they have big plans for a guy and it's really a lot of it's really predicated on it, then you're going to have to really give something up of value. But since they don't seem to probably value him as much as far as the grand scheme, then it makes sense to turn a guy like Ponce over and, and see if the Pirates can, can make the most out of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for Jordan Lyles, I mean, I, I say uh, mission accomplished, right? The guy uh, pitched very well for you early in the year when it looked like you could be in contention. Uh, as you started to fall out, you got something for him. That's a $2 million signing. I say it's mission accomplished, right? Yeah, it's getting the most out of an asset that you yeah. probably weren't expecting that big of a return on. You didn't give up that much to get him in the first place. He was probably uh, a low risk. Actually, I'm not even probably. He definitely was a low risk move. That at the beginning had turned out to be high reward, but an injury kind of derailed all of that. So it's a good chance to salvage and maybe get something that can still help you down the road. So it's it's hard to not look at it as anything but not a loss mm-hmm. as far as getting a return back. So before we talk to Josh about what happened at the Great American Brawl Park, which we are going to talk about. We can't <laughs> can't not talk about it. I think this is a good time to jump in with our question of the week. Um, so earlier this week, I put it out on Twitter. You can follow all of us on Twitter. We ask you to. I'm at PGH. Josh is at, jo- at Josh Taylor HD, Glorious HD. And of course, the show itself has a Twitter that you can follow, maybe. It's called at the Cast. And our question of the week was, Pirates fans, with the club selling on 2019, possibly trading Felipe Vasquez, and you know I posted this on Monday, by the way, and the playoffs long since written off, basically what would keep you watching this team the rest of the way? Basically, I was looking for what's going to keep you invested in the club. Um, You have some responses like Thomas, who says, because despite them playing like crap, I love the Pirates and I love baseball. Winner loss is still my team. Um... Gary, our buddy Gary, says, I'd like to see no more gong. I'd like to see him get Hayes uh, up and Keller up here to get the feet wet, just like Newman this season. Um, Will, and Will Craig up as well. Um, and let's see, a couple other here. Um, they want to see, the, uh, at, at Langer241, the depressed Pirates fan, says, uh, mainly to see the young guys who come up. Uh, some other people say, blind dedication. I love watching the young core play. So, the common denominator there, a lot of hurt feelings in these responses, to be honest, but the common denominator was to watch the young players. Josh, what does the watching the young players mean to you? Um, do you want to see everybody come up, or do you just want to see the younger players, the more exciting players, the more potentially important players get the bulk of the playing time? What does that mean to you exactly? I want to see the guys here who are going to be, if not key or functional, at least in the picture in 2020 and 2021. I want to see Mitch Keller. I want to see Brian Hayes. Um, it would be nice to see Will Craig. Um, I'm trying to figure out if you call him up, what are you going to do with him? Start him once a week? So if, you, if you're doing that with Will Craig, you know, this is going to have to happen right after Indianapolis. The season is completely and, un- and unquestionably over. 
if you're going to do this. I'm not going to – I would not want to interrupt the guys, you know, season or development to try to pull them up later on. So when Indianapolis' season is done, you pull them up, you give these guys, you know, a taste here and there, um, give Mitch Keller some starts, give Cabrian Hayes a day or two to start per week and let them get their feet wet and figure out just exactly what you have and what kind of talent these kids have. You're not going to find out until you do it. So it's going to have to be one of those situations where, yeah, you might see a lineup with a bunch of names that you don't recognize. But if that's what you have to do to figure out what you have going long-term and figure out what you might not need to fill or might need to fill during the offseason, this is your time to find that out. Not to mention the fact that these are some of these guys were guys that, that Neil Huntington drafted and had a lot of reputation behind. Will Craig is a first-round pick. Um, Key Brian Hayes, I believe, is what a sandwich pick or uh, was a late first round pick or one of those competitive balance picks. Yep. So you want to see where some of this prime talent that they're bringing in is going, and you want to see how good it is. And it's that time to see some of these guys and see which kernels pop in the bowl. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely an argument to be made to bring up Mitch Keller, let him stay in the rotation all year or the rest of the year. Um, I, I think with Hayes, you know, that's the that's the prospect name du jour. Uh, maybe a couple weeks at the end of the season, why not? There's a lot of different things the Pirates can do. I think they owe it to themselves to really see what they have, just like we talked about before. Um, Mm -hmm. Any data points the team can collect on anybody they think can come up to the majors, bring them up. There's really no reason not to. Um, So that's our question of the week. Every week we try to put something thought-provoking out there. Um, So now let's get into into this, because um, Keona Kella threw a Derek Dietrich's head um, next thing you know, Mayor Garrett is on the mound and Stone Cold Steve Austin's music comes on, the glass shatters, and he runs to the Pirates dugout. Uh, Josh, I mean, that was crazy. I actually went to bed early that night, didn't watch it, woke up in the middle of the night, checked my phone, and by God, it all hell broke loose. I, I guess we'll stick with the wrestling theme, and just like old JR said, it was a Donnybrook. Uh, what was your thoughts on everything that transpired? I guess let's start with... Uh, Keona Kella openly going headhunting. What did you think about that? You believe this happened on the night where both of us fell asleep? Yeah. <laughs> I fell asleep in my living room on my couch. Falling asleep. And my wife happens to know. She says, you're snoring. I'm like, what? I wake up. Apparently I've been snoring. And I look at my phone. And I get like a dozen text messages going. People going, oh, my God, did you see that? I'm like, oh, God, what happened? So I turn, up, I turn the channel. I'm like, oh, boy. What did I miss? I missed all this stuff happened. Apparently, I fell asleep, and the whole game unfolded in front of my eyes. So, to have that all go down when I'm falling asleep, and I have to, I have to change the channel and rewind on the DVR to catch up, and I'm like, oh, crap. How can I miss something like this happen? Or probably one of the most eventful things of the season. It's just my luck. So, I, I find it incredibly ironic that it happened when you and I were both asleep. Here's how I feel about the whole thing. Um if you want to talk about surprises after the trade deadline, I'm still trying to figure out why Keone Kell is still on this roster. Yeah. Because it, with everything that's been happening with him, with everything that's happened since he's been activated, including being suspended on the day he was activated or supposed to be activated, then something like this happens. How much more do you need to see that a guy might not necessarily help you in certain ways? Even if he has pitched well. you got to figure out just how well this makes sense for you moving forward, because this could probably happen again. Even if it's with another team, 
It could happen with the Cubs. It could happen with the Brewers. And if I had to pick between the two, it's probably, it's probably more likely to happen with the Cubs. And some people might want that to happen. But I look at Kennedy Keller, and I wonder why he's still a member of this organization, given everything that's happened in just the past two weeks. I look at David Bell and wonder why he's not being psychologically evaluated, because I think he might be half crazy. Um, I look at Amir Garrett, and I ask, who taught you how to punch, dude? Because there was a point where he literally punched around Trevor Williams' head. Bad enough you went Jon Snow and battled the bastards. <laughs> and tried to take on the whole team. But then you go and punch around Trevor Williams' head, and then somehow, I don't even know how he tried to throw two punches back-to-back, like alternating at the same time, and like no weight distribution. I thought that was interesting. And then with the other hand, he knocks off his hat. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this worked. This was very effective. Good on you. Sir, you disrespect me. David. You doffed my hat off of my head. Yes, yes. I challenge you to a duel. I'm like, Really? I felt like Charlie Murphy. Back when, back when even slapping people was fashionable. It was a gunfight after that. But, no, seriously. Um, then there's David Bell, who I think might have had the, the – the, I think him and Yasiel Puig might be in the running for the, the, the biggest underwhelming shows of the night between Yasiel Puig having, like, six different opportunities to either charge and hit people and do it doing neither, and David Bell – who was ejected from the game, coming back out onto the field, chasing after a a guy who's significantly older than him has had two hip replacements, trying to take him out, and then you get brought to the ground by probably the smallest deal in the field. Yeah, that's an L, dude. That's not good. Your your opportunity to to participate fake thuggery totally failed. So David David Bell might get my fail of the night on that one. Like, that's the Bart Simpson gift, at least you tried, because, whoo, David Bell, you really fell short. You know, I imagine like this is this is just my this is how I see it happening in my head. But David Bell gets ejected, he goes back in the clubhouse, maybe has a few Chardonnays, you know, what of it, and uh, just <laughs> sees, sees everything going on, and just comes out and and just wants to get a taste, you know. And and Rick Rick Eckstein gave him a taste. There's no question. Oh my about that. god! And it wasn't like it even took that long. It was pretty brief. Like he came over to her, and Rick Eckstein was like, "No, dude." Like, you're on the ground that quick. <laughs> I've only known the person that could do that to me that fast, and that was my father. So that's, <laughs> that's a, whew. I mean, you, you worked a lot of cars to go out there and try to go after a dude that is one good hip and to fail. That's just, wow. It it, it, it kills me because everyone's like, oh, you know, he's, Rick Garrett's so brave, and Yasiel Puig, I loved him. And it's just like, dude, he did nothing. Yasiel Puig has now had, like, two different instances where he's had a combined maybe half dozen chances to really actually do harm and really try to physically hurt someone on the Pirates. And it wasn't because he was lucky enough that it didn't happen. It's just because he didn't try. Yeah. How many times are you going to be in a fight and not try to hit anybody? But yet you were the most active person in the fight. How's that possible? How does that even work? <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't get that. That's, I mean, you're just selling wolf tickets. What are you, what are you doing? I don't. I don't get it. And everybody's like, oh, my God, I love Tweak. I'm like, yeah, I want that guy to fight with me to hit no one. Sure. Yeah. Makes me love him. Really? No, 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 no. This this isn't like the Lloyd McClendon, uh, Dave Duncan, Tony LaRusso scrap that happened way back when. This ain't one of them days. You know, it, that that fight was one that, like, people probably should look at them. It's probably one of the all-time better brawls. Not that I can condone the thought of brawling a baseball. I think it's all stupid, really, because it's all yeah. false bravado. It's like really, we're all MMA fighters now. This ain't hockey. Like let's 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 relax. 
Yeah. Like some of y'all gonna go home and, and drink Starbucks later. Like just take it easy. Yeah. And I, I, I've I've been one to talk about this often. There's many jokes I made about it last night on social media, including one that people took way too literally, and it was like two people that took way too literally. So seriously, people, stop. I know he was. A, I know he was watching the stands. Like really, just relax. Anyway. So wait, what, um, what was the joke? I, made, I made a joke about. I don't know what's worse, get, uh, Garrett making all the punches or the the cop being out the lunch. And it was a guy who felt it was necessary to explain to me without the lunch. I'm like, I know what it meant. It was a joke. Seriously? <laughs> Maybe we should rework the joke. That was 10 hours ago. I'm not reworking the joke. Go away. It's absolutely stupid. Oh, Stop taking jokes seriously, people. That's why they're jokes. Yes, anyway, for as many jokes as I made last night, which, of course, which the majority of people who followed me thought were funny, um, you know, the, the whole concept of all of it is the biggest joke of all. Because there's no way in hell something like this should happen under any circumstances. Um, there's no reason Kelly Kelly should feel like he has to defend the honor of his teammates from something that happened when he wasn't even with the with the club at the time. Um, Amir Garrett shouldn't have not have gone to that length. David Bell should not have gone to that length in, in pretty much making it worse. Um, it, it looked like a really bad version of West Side Story, where the one is saying they began it, and the other one saying, "Well, they began it." And we're the ones that stop them. And it's just like, really? Just go away. Go back and dug out and play baseball. You're, you're two teams languishing at the bottom of your division. Neither of you have any hope moving forward. And you're both out here mad over nothing. Why? It, it, it's the dumbest thing. Go back and actually pretend you have dignity. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, especially for the Pirates who, you know, go and win a series and then, you know, show a little bravado. How about that, you know? Um, yeah, like, move, move into third place. Yeah, yeah, but I'll get, tell you what. Get back in the wild card race. I'll, I'll tell you what. The, aside from the Kella openly head hunting, which I agree is ridiculous. I mean, if you absolutely have to hit someone, hit him in the butt, hit him in the thigh. You know, at, there's. Come on. Aside from that, if you leave that out of it, for just obviously not many punches were thrown, if any, but or landed, if any. But just from a pure entertainment standpoint, you have a guy who was traded, didn't know he was traded. And is in a fight and is going yeah. to go to his new team with a suspension. How crazy and, and awesome is that? I, I love my favorite part of the Puig and Bauer trade is that both guys will probably be suspended by the time they get there. Yes. Or like potentially. It, yes. It is the greatest, most ironic trade ever. So you have that kind of wrapped up into it. Um, it, it it's just the, the whole thing. It's just, it's so bizarre. The whole thing is so weird and it just makes you laugh. But at the same time, it, it, it worries you a little bit. It's just like, how does it get to this? How, how does something get to this level? And it it definitely shouldn't. It's it's really, it's really stupid in in the long term. It's it's just really stupid. And I, we're going to be talking about this fight for years as one of the stupidest things we've ever seen during the season. We would otherwise want to forget. Yeah. All right. Well, look. I think that's just a good spot as anywhere to end this podcast. You know, again, <laughs> this was a little bit of a different episode because we wanted to focus on the trade deadline stuff. Uh, we'll be back next week with our usual hijinks, usual segments, and some other fun. So, Wait, uh, this isn't the hijinks? Oh, no. <laughs> too many hijinks for the Pirates this week. Uh, oh, man. So that's our show for this week. I want to thank you guys for listening. If you want to help our show, the best way is to spread the word, tell a friend, uh, or subscribe anywhere you get your podcast, anywhere fine podcasts are heard. I'm talking Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, blah, blah, blah. Um, follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Taylor HD Glorious HD. 
I'm at J. Rolls and PGH. The show is at the Bucklecast. And we'll see you next week. And that's a podcast. Nice. Yeah.